Welcome to the 90 Minutes Fitness Podcast, a podcast all about soccer-specific fitness, from training and gym work to nutrition and mindset, all in an easy-to-understand format. With a brand new episode every Monday featuring guests from the world of soccer and tips and advice on how to take your game to the next level, you're guaranteed to leave increased motivation and practical steps on how to succeed in the soccer world. Here's this week's episode with me, your host, Aidan Kern. Jack, thanks a lot for taking time to come on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Aidan. Uh, glad to be here. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on because I know, I know your story with um, college soccer is a little bit different. And again, that's what I try and do with this podcast as well, is just trying to have different stories and, and for people to tell their different paths uh, to the US. So I know you're back in Ireland at the moment. How has that been for you just with uh, lockdown and, and things like that? I know I follow you on LinkedIn. You've been doing a lot of individual training. So how's that been going for you? It's been going good overall. Um Obviously, with lockdown, it's kind of limited what uh, what trainings I can do with um, the clubs being forced to not be allowed to train. Anyone that's not classed as elite, which is anyone below the League of Ireland over here, is not allowed to train. And, be, and due to that, any local pitches, parks have taken the nets off their goals just to try and stop gatherings and maybe try and stop clubs from setting up illegal sessions. So it's... It's been tough with that in that sense, where like trying to find spaces where I actually can train, but good overall because I, I do have a park just on the road. I have uh, two or three friends here that are always coming training with me, and we, we have our own bubble. So we all just train ourselves, go back to doing what we do, uh, limit our interactions, go back training again. It's yeah, no, that's the important thing as long as you're getting the work in. Um, you can only make the best of the situation that you're in. So as long as you're you're finding a way to get that work in, it will pay off in the long run rather than you know other players around just just sitting around doing nothing, whereas you're staying proactive and getting ready for that next opportunity. Um, but Jack, if you just take us back to, to when you first started in the game and just any youth clubs that you played for and just kind of your time growing up in Clare and, and how you first got involved in the game. So I first started playing football with a club. I was first class, maybe. First class, I was, uh, how old are you in first class? Like seven, six, seven? Yeah, so just for, for our American listeners as well, okay, first class around the age of seven or eight, um, which yeah, I think most, most, be, most people kind of start at that age, don't they? First class would be about second grade, wouldn't it? I think America. so, yeah. yeah. That's, the, that's the conversion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, about seven or eight. I, I, friend of mine, uh, he, his father was a coach at Ennis Town, which is a local club here, and I was, I started training with them first. Yeah, so I had I had a friend. I had actually turned out to be a couple more friends there from primary school. So we, um, you know, it was good. It was fun at the age, obviously, training with your friends, playing football. Yeah, yeah what you like doing and was that fun. was that an 11 a side thing or was it smaller sided or it was oh it was 11 a side at the time yeah they didn't change that rule until i think a few years ago where any anything under the ages of 12 is smaller or is it 12 or 11 i'm not too yeah, sure yeah i think now. i think it's on smaller sided uh pitches up on the lap point with the with the size four ball as well which which i remember as well but it makes more sense really i mean if you're only nine or ten. There's no point putting you on a full-sized uh, adult pitch. Yeah, so it definitely, definitely, definitely makes sense. What we were doing anyway back then it was full-size, full goals, size, uh, full-size ball, 
Whereas now with smaller goals, weighted footballs and smaller pitch, I think it's like seven aside or eight aside. Yeah, no, it makes more sense. Just more touches on the ball, and obviously yeah, it's less yeah. uh, less strenuous on the players as well. Like they just get to enjoy it a bit more. And then, how long did you stay at that club? Were there any other clubs that you played for in your teenage I years or anything? Went in this town for a while. I then moved to Avenue United, uh, another local club here. For me now, like living in the house I live in now, they're literally a two minute walk up the road to pitches. Um, but uh, they were they were they were good. Very um, very intense. You could tell, like there were there were rivals. It was actually the intertown rivals. They're the biggest rivals to Ennistown would have been Avenue. And um, I I moved across, and it was it was good. It was it was different. It was different environment. Different um, just all around different. Like the players yeah. were different. Like it was, you know, both teams had both teams had good level of players. Really good quality, really, really good playing against each other. The matches were really good, actually yeah. very interesting, very fun to watch. Yeah, just a good, good standard overall. And then, did you play for any uh, representative sides or anything like that, or was it just the no, club sides under, all the way up? No, underage, I, underage, I wasn't any good. <laughs> <laughs> underage, and I only really started probably becoming any bit decent at football. It was after I hit sixteen, seventeen. Before that, I was, I wasn't really like I played it a lot. I just, I don't know, I just <laughs> wasn't really that much talented. I yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, because I was the exact same way. I didn't play for any representative sides, any Waterford sides, anything like that at all, Kennedy Cup, anything like that. I was just playing for club sides all the way up. So I think it's mm-hmm. it's interesting just to to see how people develop at different rates. And I think you can't really base a player on when they're kind of 12, 13. No, um, it, it does change as you get older yeah. and people develop at different times. And I think as long as you stay in the game, uh, that's the most important thing. And then, Jack, when you finished uh, secondary school then, um, were you still playing in Clare or what was the next step for you then? Well, I had stopped playing from probably 14 to 16. 14 to 16, 17, I just stopped playing football. I still loved I still watched it. I still loved it. I played street football with my friends, but I just stopped playing with a club. I just, I don't know, you know, teenage years, just... Uh, Going, going through things you want to say yeah but I just stopped playing and uh, then my friend called me one day and uh, he he started he uh, had just signed with a local club Lifford which would be the other town team so the three town teams Avenue Ennis Town and Lifford were all rivals to each other but this was with the junior team not an underage team so I would have been turning 17 playing with the junior B team it would have been the B the B team for Lifford and he called me saying do you want to come sign for us we're going to play again because uh, we had spoken about it probably a week or two before that he was wanting to play and I was like yeah I'd love to start playing again and the next day then I get a call uh, next day then we have a match <laughs> so straight away the straight into it preseason friendly and I was like oh I hadn't played in ages, and it, it, I, I was, uh, it was, uh, it was different. It was tough playing I can, because I can imagine, yeah. Was, uh, and that was that was your first, then. So that was full adult football that you were full into, football, men's football. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's so beneficial, really. Mm-hmm. Because I know, especially with American players, they, you know, you're playing the college system up until the age of 22, 23, so you're not playing against full grown men. So for yourself. 
obviously going into the age of 17, uh, playing full grown men. And, and like that makes a big difference later on, because although, I mean, they will say the standard might not be top, top level. I think just playing with men yeah. does make a huge difference at a young age. And I'm sure that kind of uh, helped you as the years go on. And then how long did you spend uh, playing at that level then? What was, what was it looking like then? I was with Lifford for three three seasons three four years yeah three years i think yeah three years i i i was with lifford for three years and it was um i got better it got better i got better as the years went on there were some rough times there where just players were leaving left right and center kind of um, moving on to bigger clubs. We found it difficult at times to sign players, uh, trying to move up to the, trying to get in with the A-team. I, I got in with the A-team my second year and I was floating between the A-team and B-team, kind of just, uh, the A-team had their team kind of set. Uh, I get on really well now with the manager. Uh, he's not there anymore, but I get on really well with him. But at the time, probably being young and everything he I won't say we didn't get on but I mean yeah we, we didn't really get on like so I was like he gave me some chances I felt like at the time I probably I deserved to be there so maybe my attitude wasn't the best because when I didn't get the chances I was upset that I wasn't there and then when I did get the chances I was upset that I should have gotten this earlier and um it was just uh all that at that age I was yeah that's- I was, that's yeah. just what comes with being young, isn't it? I think there, there's a lot of that. I suppose just having that patience is the important thing. But at the age at that age, you just, you know, you want to get into games straight away, and you think you should be playing at the top level and things like that. So it's a, it can be a difficult, uh, difficult time. And I think patience is the key um, around that age. And then that was uh, their third division with yeah. the B team and the football just down there. It was as I said first. First year was good. It was fine. I was 17, thrown into the adult league. I didn't expect to be playing Premier. But as I got on, I was like, you know, the football isn't that good down here. And it isn't the clear third division. It's, it's, it's a very long ball. The defence are defenders. That's it. There's no overlapping wing backs. There's no uh, uh, Danny Elves who can run the pitch type of player. It's... You get the ball to the strikers, hoof it up there, let the strikers deal with it, and the ball will break in the box and someone will finish. Yeah, just a very straightforward way of play, isn't it? No uh, no tactical uh, prowess on your plays. And then I moved to Avenue, though. Again, I moved back to Avenue, and I I signed with the B team that year. The manager asked me to sign with them. This was Clare First Division. So it was a year, but it was a season, it was the one below Premier, but it couldn't go, Avenue couldn't go Premier because their A team was already there. And the Clare team, the Clare League have the rule where the same club can't have two teams in the same league. They have to, so for, like, for example, that year we actually won the league, but we couldn't get promoted because Avenue A were in the Premier. Okay. okay. But yeah, when I moved to Avenue, the football was much better. It was, uh, we had a ball playing side. We had defenders who could defend, but also play some football too. And we ended up winning, we actually won three trophies that year, if you include the preseason tournament that we won as well. And then what point did you decide 
to to go to the US or what at what point did your interest start with that at what age or what point in your career did you start thinking that that might be a path for yourself so it was March 2013 I went on the first tryout 2014 March 2014 because 2015 is when I went over so 20, March 2014 is when I went on the first tryout up in Dublin I just saw it on Facebook through the collegiate soccer page and I was like you know this looks this sounds interesting I could try this I'd love to I'd love to go over to America because I have relatives over in America in Connecticut so I've been over there a few times and I know I won't say I know what it was like at the time but I whenever I went over I enjoyed it so I was like I'd love to actually move over there for a while if I go to college there and I had just um I had just obviously uh, finished a secondary school at that age and I was doing a PLC course at the time because I wasn't I was unsure what I wanted to do and I went over to tryouts and I got talking with uh Dahi and a few of the coaches up there and it was like yeah this is something I do want to do so I kept on going back decent and then if you just take us through then just kind of the the process itself so from the first trial where you went to what happened after that and then just how the how the process actually went up until uh, you committed to it to a college so i went the first trial was the march then, then their next trial was may so i messaged them again in the middle of april asking uh you know how do i sign up for this one and they messaged me back and i signed up for it and i went up to dublin again that one in the may and it was after that one, after that performance, they asked me to come back again. They messaged me this time asking me to come back to the next one. So the one in June, I came back. I went up there again. I, I played well. I, at the time, I was a left back. I played well as a left back. And they offered me, they called me. I remember I was on my way to a match with Avenue, a preseason match with Avenue out to Six Mile Bridge. And they, they called me and he offered me uh, a chance to go over to America. Okay. And then just after that point, then did you go back for more trials or what was the situation with video footage or, or what was that process like? Wait, actually, it was a preseason match with Lifford, not Avenue, Lifford. Sorry. I mean, I, I signed for Avenue then that summer. But yeah. Um, I I kept on going back. So they asked me to keep coming back for for tryouts and stuff each week or each month. But this time I wouldn't uh, wouldn't have to obviously keep paying for the thing because I'd already I had signed. So they because they wanted more footage. So I went up there June or after the June one. I went up July, August. Uh, I no, July. I think the August September one was the same one. November and in the Christmas one. I think the Christmas one was the first time me and you actually played together. Yeah, I think it was. Because that's where, for anyone out there, that's where we actually first came in contact. Was just at, at those trials, and we just kind of kept in contact um, to this day, really. So yeah, I think it was. I think it was possibly maybe that summer one that we first. I think it was in May. Yeah. I think possibly. I yeah. think that was. I think we were on the the same team or, or something like that for for a while, and we got talking then. 
um but then so so your so christmas i know they have just a showcase at that time so that's kind of a, what, yeah. what, they, what they promote as kind of pivotal moment um to get your scholarship but at what point did you actually sign your 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 scholarship your letter of intent i took the sats can't remember if it was before christmas i think it was before christmas it was in november i took the sats to try and help my chances of getting a, a school I have no idea how I scored because I couldn't translate it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it was January or February. Yeah, I'm not sure. One of them, I think it was early, early 2015, January to March. I um, I got the offer from Georgia Military College, a, a junior college, to uh, to come over or to go over there and play and study and were there any offers that you had to choose from or were there any kind of different different things on the table or was it just so there were there were a couple there was another school in um texas they were at the like and when i looked it up they were in in the middle of nowhere kind of school their, fo- their football program looked good i just i just didn't want to move down to a place where there was nothing nearby yeah um, I want to, of course you know, yeah so i think I want, again that that's so important for people to realize that like a lot of these colleges are in the middle of nowhere and it's important just like you did just to actually research where the college is because a lot of them can be just literally in the middle of nowhere no public transport anything like that so it's important to, to realize what you're getting into and we uh at georgia military we thought gmc were bad like in mm-hmm. milledgeville milledgeville is actually a decent sized town there's twenty thousand people there uh, there's another college there, a, a D2 college. They don't have a men's team, but they have a women's team. And they're really good. Really, It's a really big school there. And we thought that place was maybe bad at the time. But when we, the more we played, the more schools we actually traveled to, we're like, wow, this school is in the middle of nowhere. Like, we're yeah. lucky we're... <laughs> yeah, no, it can open your eyes to it, especially when you travel to to away games. Um, so then, just if you just you maybe take a little step back, just to your reasoning for going to the US in general. So the option would have been obviously to stay in Ireland and, and try and climb the ladder that way. But for you in your mind at the time, what was your reasoning to, to actually going to the US? Was it from an education point of view, or was it purely just from a football soccer point of view? It was a, uh, from both. I I wanted my I wanted a degree because I wanted to accomplish that side. I, I I wanted to get my education and have the degree. So in case football did fail, I have something to fall back on. I didn't want to just commit to one thing and put everything there and then say everything say it doesn't work out. Like what do I have to fall back on? I wanted to have both set up so I have. Uh, a good future going ahead um, I felt and it was a good thing because college in America is much easier than college in Ireland it being continuous assessment and assignments based whereas in Ireland you obviously have big exams worth so much in them and a lot of courses have that FYP that's worth so much and put so much pressure on you college in America was so much easier I was probably really due to myself just being lazy and not studying in school. I was an average student, uh, C's and B's, 
in America, I didn't get one C in college. All A's. My, I think I graduated with a 3.7 GPA. So that's, that's um, really, really good. Really, really yeah. good. And I think that's that's so interesting to hear because I think a lot of people maybe that are considering that route think that oh, I'm not really academically that that strong. But it just goes to show that there is there is someplace out there for everyone. So for you, you went the junior college route and you did really, really well. And at the end of the day, that gave you that education. Whereas perhaps um, other players, they might stay in Ireland and not even bother going to college. But at least if they take the risk and go to America, they can, you know, mat- and as you get older and mature, you do take academics more seriously. And yeah. I think that's a big thing in, in secondary school, high school. You don't really some people just don't don't take academics seriously but then as you get that little bit older you do start to uh focus just more on the academics so that's really interesting to hear with you um and then obviously coming out to 3.7 gpa that was really really good um i never would have gotten that in ireland i i had a college i had a course set up in ireland for in case things didn't work out i had engineering in lit which was interesting because i ended up graduating with a business uh, administration and management degree nothing to do with engineering but it was just something that i was like you know engineering is a good job if i can get this degree it'll help me in the future but it wasn't really something that i was really interested in at the time it was more football and obviously with america uh being able to change your degrees as well mid-year and not having to drop out like you are in ireland like at first i went over on a psychology degree on my visa i had psychology because i didn't know what course to put down for g for, for georgia military college because again at the time i was like i don't know what i want to study yeah no it's it's definitely one of the benefits as well just being able to change so sort of like for yourself um at least you were able to change it when you got there and then just when you did get there what was that adjustment like for you um just adjusting to first of all just life in the u.s and living uh, in georgia and then also just on, on the pitch as well what was that adjustment like for you very different so me and my friend flew over a week or two early we flew over the 27th of july and stayed with my uncle's house stayed with my uncle's stayed with my uncle in connecticut because we wanted to adjust to the time zone get used to the climate uh well georgia, connecticut and georgia summertime is similar like it gets to 30 to 35 degrees humid so we wanted to get used to the climate we went over there, got used to, to adjust the time zone. It was very different. Obviously, we were living there now, not on holidays. So it was, we're here now. We can, we actually, we have to kind of do what they're doing, not all our holidays go off again. You know, they're not going to see us again type of thing. We were uh, over there. We adjusted well. I thought it was, um, it took the first the, the first few weeks it like i thought everything was everything was really good uh, adjusted it really quickly to the time zone difference um got into a routine of waking up early going out training before the heat really kicked in like me and my friend would um wake up maybe 7 a.m we go out we go out to the field at nine so we'd be done by 11 12 and that's when the heat would kick in and so that way then for the day we could relax we go to the mall something and then when we moved to georgia it was actually, it was it was actually very different <laughs> at the time. It was very it was like we thought Connecticut was hot. The humidity down in Georgia was so much worse. It was the moment you step out of the car, you're sweating. The moment you step out of your house, you're sweating. It's like 
Yeah, it's a, it's a different thing, isn't it? And I think that's a big adjustment for uh, a lot of players as well, just to understand the heat. And like you said, it's in, in Connecticut, it's hot, but the humidity in, in Georgia down, down south is a, a different story. And then how was training for you in that heat or how long did it take you to adjust to that once yeah. you got into team training? So we had, we started preseason. We had two, we do two sessions a day preseason, the 8 a.m. session and then the two o'clock session, which was in the dead heat of the day. It was just, it was good though. It, it really helped you get fit. It really helped you get in shape because you, you knew that if I'm cheating on my diet or if I don't have a good diet, I'm not going to be able to play. Yeah, that was really it down at the end of the day. You had to actually commit to it you couldn't like oh i play football i'll go home i'll devour a bag of doritos you know sit there play games or do nothing you really had to watch what you're eating watch what you're doing um if you could do any any extra exercises do it just to get that bit fit because when it came to training you'd know who'd be dead after the first 10 minutes and who could go until the end of the session and did you have any fitness tests that you had to pass when you first got there? So did they send out anything before you got there in regards to fitness tests? No, we didn't really have any. Our college didn't do fitness testing. We did. We, we So the morning sessions were more fitness based, but we didn't actually have a test. We did do a two mile run, but we weren't tested on it. It was just okay. make sure you do it. And he, he, he tracked our coach, tracked our times, but we weren't told, oh, you have to be under 12 minutes. You have to be here. If you're not here, you can't do this. It was very, it was a very lax way of doing it, but it was actually, it was, um, I enjoyed it because he knew, I feel like he knew the players bring in because we had a very high international squad. And I think at the time, maybe five or Amer- five were Americans or US based. We had a lot of UK and Irish players over there. And then the second year was even more. Yeah, that's especially with junior colleges. I think uh, there's quite a lot of international players uh, go there, isn't it? So you will find that for anyone listening that that chooses to go that route, you'll find that a lot of you will be around a lot of international players, which has benefits as well. I'm sure it made for a really good environment and you, you know both on, on and off guy, the pitch. And you hear an Irish accent out of nowhere, and you're like, oh, I got, I go, I go talk to him after the game, find out where he's from. Oh, yeah, Lord. exactly no I had the same situation in Ohio there was one time I was playing in the summer and uh, I heard like an Irish accent and it turns out he was actually from Waterford as well so you'll find you just kind of run across people and the same for one, yourself like on the pitch one and of stuff. the summers I was wearing my FEI uh, summer camp a t-shirt from coaching the year before and there's some random guy came up to me after the game was like where in Ireland are you from and I was like what and he was like you're Irish, aren't you? You were in the FBI summer camp. Where in Ireland are you from? And I was like, I was like, oh, <laughs> where are you from? I'm from Clare. And he was like, oh, he's from, uh, you're from Dublin. So we uh, played against him with, uh, with from Peach uh, Peachtree versus Tormenta. Uh, it's a cra- it's a crazy environment, isn't it? And you will find that you'll find a lot of uh, like different characters around things like that. But um, what was so then your first season um, in America? How was that for you? And were you satisfied with how it went, or were there any areas that you thought you could improve on? So I went over. I was originally recruited as a left back. First game of preseason, he put me left. We played uh, left wing. Back. I I played left wing back. We played a three five two system. And then the second game, we changed to 4-3-3. He put me up left wing. 
in 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 the in in the front three. I asked him his reasoning behind it, and he, my coach was, uh, my coach said, "You're you're tall, you're quick, you're powerful. You'd be wasted on left back." Yeah, that's and interesting. Yeah. What's funny was that was actually my original position. The wing was my original position. The reason why I dropped the left back was because when I started playing football again, I was unfit. I was finding it hard to get fit. Just obviously it was due to my diet, but I was finding it hard to get fit. So I was like, you know, left back isn't that bad. I can, like, I can get to this fitness where I can play in 90 minutes as left back, but I wouldn't be able to bomb up and down the pitch, especially again, playing clear football at the time. The wingers were, for some teams, the wingers were left backs as well because the left back has to tuck into the center back because it was just, you'd just be defending the whole time and you, they'd expect the winger to pelt it up the pitch again to attack. And then when you lost the ball, you had to print it all the way back down again. And I, was, I wasn't fit enough for that. Yeah, so, yeah, no, it makes, it makes sense. That's interesting as well, just the transition um, in, cha- in terms of change of position. And then, so did you play pretty much in, in an attacking role for the rest of your yeah, time there? The whole, the whole season I played, uh, we played uh, 4-3-3. I was up left wing, left wing, if not sometimes the actual centre forward. And it was that season that made me, um, that transitioned me into a striker. We, I finished that season with 10 goals, 9 assists. Uh, I think, I, yeah, I, I finished our season, our team's top goal scorer, just about, by one goal. And, and was that um, probably out of 16, 17 appearances, was it? So that was that was that was quite good. 17 games. 17 games. It include, yeah, 17 games. It include the play because we had a playoffs. We had 15 regular season games. Then we had the semi-final of the, the Georgia League and then the final. So and, 17 in and then once so obviously with junior college it's two years that you spend there so two seasons so then you came back for your second season um i know that went quite well for you as well it's the second season so then at what point did you start that that transfer process to to look for a four-year college or at what point did that start it was honestly kind of right away i started i spoke to my coach right away I wanted to find, I was like, I want to get in early because I did research on it. Schools start recruiting around November. You need to kind of, they don't do it during season. I mean, they'll watch players as they play players or they'll have someone like watching the the stats online because every game, every game in college is online. You can track any college game and see the stats, see who scored. Like as long as the, the, and colleges want to have that up, updated because it helps them too. Um, I started right away. I played really well at the start. Then I had a guy, I had a coach come up and watch me play in North Carolina. We played against Leesburg. It was, uh, yeah, we played up there and we had two games in two days. And it I know. I, I think the pressure got to me, and I didn't. I didn't play that well those two games. Didn't hear back from that coach again. <laughs> um, and then we we won. No, the first game we lost. Second game we won. They were ranked seventh in the U.S. in junior college at the time, and we beat them. It was the first time GMC had beaten them because they played them every year, and it was the first time that GMC had actually beaten them. Beaten them. So it was. Uh, 
it it was it was fun. It was good. It was really enjoyable that we beat them. Obviously, I didn't play that well. So, but as it went on, I just I was in talking with my coach nearly every week, if not every other week, just trying to find colleges. I was looking up myself. I was uh, emailing out colleges. Uh, I was talking with my friends about what they're doing as well, like what colleges they're talking to. I was looking around, just trying to talk to coaches nearby. But again, I didn't really know much. I was trying my best. Like I didn't really know much about it overall. And kind of at the time, my coach didn't really help me too much. He he kind of had his. I know I don't want to talk bad about anyone, but he kind of had his favorites. And even though I was the top goal scorer and everything, he, I don't know. Must must have seen something. Yeah, sometimes it, it does depend a lot on the, the coach and kind of the interest that they take in you. Um, but it's good to hear that you are proactive um, in seeking out opportunities. Because I think that's important to realise for anyone that goes to a junior college. It's only two seasons and then you do have to uh, move on after that. Um, so uh, when did you actually, so you went to an NAIA school then and just for anyone listening, yeah. it's kind of a separate thing. So you have NCAA um, which has three divisions, and then you have NAIA, which sometimes features, it's just a different organization, and it features kind of different, uh, uh, sometimes older players uh, do play NAIA. And then, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then, so you you signed with a, with a team there. How did that work for you, or, or what did that pro- process look like? So their coach came and had a meeting with four of us, their coach and assistant coach, had a meeting with four of us. Um, they wanted us. They were uh, they were building as the years went on, and they had finished the season bef- before with uh, I think it was their first po- uh, positive season. They won more games than they had lost, and it looked. And each year, I I looked them up, and each year it looked like they were getting better and better and better. Uh, and I was like, so at the time, I thought. You know, I want to be part of this project. The the coach, the coach did a really good job selling it to us. Two of us signed. One decided to stop playing actually after school. Like he just stopped playing soccer, and then the uh, the other guy didn't get his credits. So two of us signed. Me and my friend that I originally went over to America with, we signed with uh, uh, Middle Georgia State University. Uh, that was in March. It would have been so okay and then you went into so then the following august you would have gone into pre-season um what was that transition like uh transitioning from junior college to, to naia it was different it was a lot more physical it was a uh, faster pace it wasn't anything that i felt i couldn't do it was just a lot more physical the players they were more mature. There was a lot more older players, as you mentioned. There were a lot more internationals there. There were a lot of players probably out to try and make a name for themselves because they're because some people don't view NAIA as elite. They think, oh, it has to be NCAA. It's not NCAA. It's nothing type of thing. But the NAIA is just as good. Like I, I don't see why top teams in the NAIA wouldn't beat the top teams in the NCAA just due to. Uh, they're, uh, the level, like with some clubs, are really good. Um, the teams are, uh, like with the internationals, I feel like it was very physical at the start and it took me a while to adjust to that. 
Yeah, that, that's important as well. Like NAIA is a fantastic standard. And for myself, um, I would have played against uh, one or two NAIA teams. And honestly, they were they were much better than some of the, the top D2 teams that we would have played just due to there being so many international players and a lot of them were older too. So honestly, it's a, it's a fantastic yeah. standard. And just because it's not, I think the NCAA is overhyped, especially D1 um because like probably more than likely a lower end d1 team would lose to a top naia team so they are very very good and it is a very very high standard um so then that season jack what was what was that like for you in terms of playing did you see much playing time or, or how did you adjust to that that season was that season was something else being honest i got didn't i did not get on well with the coach that year it was there was a lot of empty promises a lot of lies being said around and it was just there was I, I wasn't the only one there were a lot of people that did not get on well but I was probably the most vocal one about it and I just didn't uh, I only actually played seven games that season before I uh, we came to mutual agreement where I I get my scholarship but it's just better where I don't play because it was just, uh, there was just no, I, I did not see any benefit in playing. I, I couldn't stand going there and losing every game. And the coaches, uh, for me at the time, or the coach, the head coach, just not knowing what, like, what to do. Just, uh, I feel like everything was aimless. There was no aim in anything. Training was just there to be done, not to actually improve. Yeah, it's a big thing to realise that there is a big difference in the coaching within the college game. And I think it's important to get a coach that, you know, that you do align with their, you do align with their goals and that their training philosophy as well, as, in, as was the case for you. And then, so I know that wasn't the best experience for you. So then what, what point did you decide that you had to look for a transfer out and then how did that go? It was around there, the middle of the season. I was like, I, I can't do this. I need to look around I texted my coach from GMC asking that he know anyone any other coaches that were looking because I need to move I can't stand I can't stay here I went to a few of their games and spoke with my coach and he got me on to uh, a coach at Concordia University in Nebraska which again was a completely different state different culture different everything but I was emailing uh, colleges I had um I'd email colleges in Connecticut. I tried to move up to Connecticut to be close to my family. I wanted to um, email, uh, go up there. I emailed a couple of D2 teams up there. Um, they all were interested in me, but they just weren't having anyone transfer over mid-season. They wanted people, they, they wanted me to go on trials with them in the new year. But my aim was to get out of there by the new year. I wanted to be out of middle Georgia. I wanted to be in a new school come January. So I could um, start, actually have the time to get in, get used to people and start to the season them. So did you actually move to Nebraska then in that January? Was that when you moved up there? Yeah. January 2018, I moved to Nebraska. I flew home for Christmas that year. I took all of my stuff. I left a lot of my stuff at my friend's house in Georgia. So when I flew back in January 2018, I flew into Georgia, got my car, packed it up with stuff and drove and drove up to Nebraska. How what was what was it that attracted you to to Concordia? Was it the coach or was it the, the playing level or the facilities or what was the reason for that? Uh, 
all of it. The coach uh, seemed very interested and everything seemed genuine. Uh, the, their, their history, they had just lost the final. They had just lost the final. So everything, their, their years were getting better and better. And they had actual proof to show they had won it the, the year previous. They had just lost the final there. They'd won it for the first time. And they lost the final then that year. Like the season that I transferred in, so that middle of the season, they would have just lost it probably two months before I moved up, I, I flew up there. So um, every and their facilities from online looked amazing, everything. And it was their pitch, their training area, everything. Their it just it's just so it was top, it looked top class. Yeah, that, and then you were so you started there in the spring season, and then that led you on into the fall season. After um, I know you scored quite quite a lot of goals and, and things in in your season there. So was that probably would you consider that to be your most enjoyable season in the US? It was the most educating season for me because I had probably. Uh, not probably. I did have again some attitude issues. Really, I felt like the game. Uh, I don't know. I, I think I was trying to force everything. I because every I I I had such a good season with GMC. I like my last season at GMC. I did scored fifteen goals and fifteen assists in the sixteen games, and everything went so well. I had such a good team and. When I moved up to Nebraska, I don't know. I just felt probably pressure. I felt a lot of pressure. I got on really well in the spring season. And I don't know what happened that summer when I flew home and went back over. I just, uh, preseason started off really well. And I just wanted to be the best. I just wanted to do it all, be it all. And I was forcing it, my... um Took me a while to score in preseason. Then I scored. I actually scored the first game of the season. A few we won that game four four two, and I was one. Uh, but yeah, overall it it was probably the most fun season I had, just because of the people I met and the experiences and from everything I learned. Yeah, because I think it's like patience is the key in the game, isn't it? And it's easy to put pressure on yourself, especially when you're going into your last season as well. It's easy just to rush the the process and and just like you said, put that pressure on yourself that you need to find the team straight out of college and you need that season to go well. And often you'll find the more the harder you try, the, the harder it gets. It was just because of the previous season too. What happened with Middle Georgia? I was like, I can't. Uh... I need I need the season to be better, and I was just, yeah, yeah, just putting that that kind of unnecessary pressure on yourself, and then so you finished up your college season, um, and then I know you played a little bit in the summers as well as so you played PDL, which is now USL League Two, um, so I know you played there, and then you played um, some kind of top level amateur football as well. If you just talk us through that, so first even just your experience in the PDL and how that went for you and what you'd consider the standard to be. So 2017, I signed with Peachtree uh, City in Georgia. I was training with them for a while. We were training, um, we started training in end of April, but we were still in, I was still in college. So it was a two hour drive for me up to Atlanta. Every night, every, uh, every Tuesday and Thursday night, I'd have to drive up. 
and I drive up two hours. I'd get back. It'd be midnight when I get back. And then I have college next day and training again, and it would just repeat. But I moved to Georgia. Then I moved to Georgia. I moved to Atlanta. I moved to Peachtree. Um, end of May. And I stayed there for the summer, and the football was really good. It was really good football. Uh, probably the best level I played at, at the time. Uh, it was proper proper football. We were passing the ball around. We had a philosophy to try and play. We we did our best to play it. Um, everybody was playing. Um, the, phys- the, phys- the physicality side of it was really helpful for me moving into NEIA time because that helped me uh, realize, okay, I do need to be um, a lot stronger. I need to be a lot. Uh, I need to be much more proactive because the players were playing with D1 players, D2 players, NEI players, NEIA players. It was a mix, and you could see the different level in the players, and you could see the different. Um, it over like just seeing how the footballing systems in America, like the difference between D1, D2, NEIA, etc. It was so important to realize as well, isn't it, that you do need to kind of do something in your summers to make up for the short college seasons. The college yeah. season's only two, two and a half, three months at best. So you do need to fill your time with with playing in the summer usually. So it's good to hear that you did actually play PDL. And um, by the sounds of it, it was just a good experience. Gave you just an insight into obviously D1 players, D2 players and combining all that to, to play at a good level. So I think for anyone listening, it is important to get that time in the summer and to find a team to play during the summer. Um, and then, so you played, so you finished up your college season at Concordia, um, judging by kind of how it went after, I know your intention was to stay in the US and try and find professional opportunities there. So once your season finished up, what what happened after that or how, how did that go? So once the season finished in middle of November, uh, I... My main, my goal was to try and keep playing football over in America. I wanted to move over there, live there, play, try to play um, the USL League at least. I ended up playing that summer. I signed with the Bug Eaters in Nebraska. We were a new club. It was a second year playing. They were... um, Originally supposed to be in the USL League 2, Omaha announced that, I mean, this is from what I was told, Omaha announced that they wanted to make a USL League 1 team. So it kind of messed up all the licensing issues and they weren't able to enter the USL because there was another USL team from the area. Um, then it was too late for them to enter the NPSL. So we actually played that season as an independent so every game was technically a friendly game, but we didn't play every game as a friendly game. We played every game as this is a competitive game because that's how we wanted it to be. And I, it was very, that, that season is probably where I learned the most because we, the players again around me were very high level and I wanted, and instead of me being like, I, I'm better than these guys. I was like, you know, these players are actually good. These players are better. I need to be at this level if I want to do anything. Not, there's no point in me saying I want to play this. I want to play USL League One. I want to play MLS if I can't even, for example, start for this team. 
and it just really helped me with that and the season that had just happened at Concordia I really learned that you know what I really need to fix my attitude I do need to just be grateful for the chances and take them and enjoy it not force it don't take don't let the pressure get to you yeah, that's massive. That's massive, and I think that sh- shift in attitude is is important for players um, just to to focus on improving every day and at whatever level you're at. And I think you hit on a great point there. Whatever team you're in, and if you're not the best player on that team, or if you're not starting, then I think you have to look inside yourself and see like why aren't you starting, and you know whether it's down to you. Um, at Bug Eaters, did you did you play with Danny Whitehall at all? I yeah, he, I you play with him. Yeah, because with him a couple of games. He uh, again another really good player, and he's doing really well over. And he's in Kilmarnock now, and I, I wish him all, all, all the best. A really good, uh, really good player. Uh, Pop as well. He's actually fun. He's he's hilarious as well. That's the fun. That's what um. Yeah, but... like he's, he's he's a really really strong lad. Yeah, so I thought I'd just mention that just to put it in context as to what level that you were at. Although it was technically classified as amateur, you had players like that, and he's now playing like top level in in Scotland against Celtic Rangers. All that, so he's full full blown professional playing at a top level. So that just puts it in context. As again, it goes back to the point: you never know what players you'll meet or what kind of people you'll run into. And like, although like I said, it was at an amateur level, you had players of that caliber, and I'm sure like training with him and and even learning from different players is very beneficial. Um, so then when you finished at Bug Eaters, what, what was the next step after that? I had, a, so I had applied for my OPT. I, I'd been awarded my OPT. I had to, I moved back to Connecticut. I'm not back to Connecticut. I, I say back because it was the first day that I flew into, but I moved to Connecticut. Actually, I lived with my uncle and it was in the middle of the USL season and MLS season. So I couldn't, uh, I didn't know the way it went over there. So I wasn't able to get in with anyone at the time. I stay, I moved to Connecticut. I got a job that satisfied my visa. I then can continue playing with um, Newtown Pride, uh, Connecticut uh, soccer team. They're, they, Top level amateur. They were actually at the time the best amateur club in America because they had just won the national tournament. Yeah, no, fantastic side. I've I've even heard of them uh, before. Even you, like you said, they are at the very very top and probably one of the one of the best, if not the best, amateur uh, sides in the US. Um, so when you just touching on the OPT as well, so it's just for anyone listening out there. So once you finish college, uh, finish college basically. How long, I think it's 90 days, is it, that you have to either find an OPT or basically get out of the country to, to do yeah. something with yourself once once you finish college? So you went down. Yeah, I got awarded it in the middle. It was the middle of July. It was the 23rd of July. I had applied for it in March. I didn't get it until July. That's how... Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of pressure because I remember I had that decision as well, whether it's a, so I wanted, for me as well, I wanted to play in the US after I finished college soccer, but yet visas come into it massively. So I would have had to apply for an OPT, which means that you have to find employment, some sort of employment to satisfy that. And for me, going into like a nine to five at that point would have uh, interfered with with playing and, and those ambitions. So that's why I decided to leave 
us and i kind of give up that opportunity to to take up the opt um and then obviously i'm back here four years later just because my wife's american so it kind of worked out in a weird way but for yourself with with the opt then so you did that played with newtown pride and then at what point then did you just think that no this is this isn't going kind of way i want it to be and i might need to to think of something different if i want to continue to, to look for that professional opportunity so i went on a couple of trials with professional clubs in the usl league one i went with four madison in wisconsin i went to dc united's uh, uh dc united's um feeder club like Loudoun uh, in virginia it was just tough being an international without the professional experience to try and get in ahead because i didn't know about this rule until january 2019 that international that clubs have a certain allocation for how many internationals they're allowed only with that then that played a massive part into it with uh i was told at the tryouts from four madison for example i was told afterwards that if i had a green card or if i was a citizen or i wasn't i wasn't international i would have been asked I would have been given the opportunity to come back in preseason to see if I could handle that because I did well at, at, at the tryouts. But because I was an international, they had already taken up uh, three or four of the seven spots that they were allowed. And they didn't want to give me a spot knowing that they don't know, uh, knowing that I don't have the experience and they don't know how I could turn out because they also have to pay the money too to sponsor me because I'd be on a brand new visa. You know yourself with the visas how it goes that i'm not sure exactly how much it costs but you'd be put on a work visa not a student visa it's a completely new process uh unknown to me and yeah. it just when i was told that i was like you know it, this just probably isn't worth it for trying to fight this because america again it's so big you don't realize how big it is until you get there your away games are eight nine hour drives you're like <laughs> eight nine hours you're you're across Ireland in five from north to south, right? So yeah, yeah, no, it's it's true. Like it's uh, so so big, and I mean every 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 part of the country is so different as well in terms of climate, culture, all that sort of thing. So it's so so different, and I think it's interesting as well. The visa, like you mentioned, um, some players do run into that issue, and it's nothing to do with their ability. Like you said, you would have got invited into preseason if it hadn't been that you were an international player. So there's a lot of other factors other than your actual playing ability that come into it. And you could, like say, if you had um, that citizenship or you weren't an international player, you would have gone to preseason and who knows what may have happened from there. So then just seeing that door just closing a little bit for, for that time, then you decided to come back to Ireland. Um, how did that go for you when you first came back? What was that? Again, a transition moving because you were in America for quite a few years. So what was that transition like back into back home? Yeah, so what? Just, just to backtrack a tiny bit with that, like being told that and then my job were actually told once I flew back, the, my manager told us that they were told they won't be renewing the lease in our store. I was the assistant manager at Yankee Candle. It was, it was in a mall. The hours were handy because it helped me play football. That was all I was looking for. I was like, you know what? It's a good job. 
I get money and the hours suit my football. I can't complain. And they were, she was super, my manager was super understanding on, on the football part. She knew, like I said it to her from the beginning, like I want to be able to play football, but I do want to work. So if, if matches are scheduled, is there any chance I could obviously get my work changed around? And she's like, yeah, no bother whatsoever. But then when she was told that, and when, we, when I was told that that January, when I flew home that at the end of the month, I would no longer have a job. Having it taken me about 40 days to actually find a job, I only had another 40, 50 days before my visa was up and I just made the decision. It's just combined with the football and the no job. It's just, I should just come back home and uh, try, try a different path. I just changed it up. And it was different. It was very different coming back home. I had been home a couple of times throughout the, on summer and Christmas, but knowing that I was living here was just, uh, it, was, it was very different. The people are very different here compared to America. Um, the, the climate is so much different as you can see now it's a bit bright and in five minutes later it'll go dark and gray and start lashing rain outside. So. Yeah, yeah, no, it's much different, uh, much different, uh, especially for you in Georgia, a different, uh, different world training in Ireland, like you said, with that, you know, fog and rain sometimes, even in summer. So it's a massive uh, transition. So then, Jack, when you came back to, so you came back to Ireland, I know you were very proactive in, in searching for opportunities then. I know you reached out to a lot of clubs and you had a little bit of success in reaching out to them. Um, what, what, was that, what was that next step for you then? What teams did you train with or how did that go? So for the whole month of January, when I knew I was coming home, I flew home. To, I, I left America the 17th of February. So from, I think it was the middle of January when I booked my ticket. So from then until I left, I was constantly talking to coaches, anyone that I knew, anyone that I knew could that know that could know other people of that could help me. I was just emailing, texting, Facebooking, everything. I created my LinkedIn uh, the year previous. I was just setting up connections, just trying to network. I uh, eventually found, I eventually got help from the local FBI development officer here, uh, Dennis Hines who um, I've coached with him or under him a few times with the FBI summer camps. He, he organizes it all here. So I've uh, gone up and done that with him a few times. So he, um, so I messaged him asking, does he know any clubs that still have space? Because with it being the middle of January, start of February, the League of Ireland season began at the time, end of February. So clubs would have already had players signed, would have already been in preseason. I left it kind of very late to have really any hope. But his friend, the coach of Athlone Town, said, yeah, he'd give me a chance to come up. So when I landed in on the 18th, the 19th, the next day, I, had, I was up in Athlone training. And how, how was that then, the standard, going into a League of Ireland club? How did you adjust to that? It was uh, very different, something I didn't expect at the time because I didn't know what to, what to expect. I, the passing is so much more rapid. Uh, you, uh, the weather does play a part because it's colder here. Uh, I feel like you can 
run more, the pass, the football is a lot quicker. Crosses are whipped in, not crossed in. <laughs> you realize that I realized that my first session there, I was like, wow, these crosses are being like are coming in at a hundred miles an hour or not, where you have time, oh, what am I gonna do? Type of deal. Like this comes in and you have a split decision. You you have a split second to make that decision. Are you, you know, you so um it was it was really good, really good level. I really enjoyed it and it really it took me probably a week or two to actually get used to it again because it had been different and I had trained I hadn't trained with a team at that level since the bug eaters the summer because again Newtown as good as they were they were only they were only amateur yeah and what was so you mentioned the bug eaters what what's that like how would you compare the standards at that loan to what you would have played for before even in PDL or college how would you compare those standards I would actually compare them similar they I'm I feel like they were similar. They, they be, if you, if they were to play against each other, for example, teams like that, they would they would be very interesting games. I feel like, phys- physical side of it, uh, are like physical side and tempo wise, like speed of play. It be it's better here, like it's more physical, but maybe technical side of it, uh, there are. The internationals in America bring the technical side out because they're all from all around Europe and and South America. It um, they're a lot more technical. It makes sense. It makes sense. It's just a different game, isn't it? In Ireland, it's just like you said that non-stop, um, you know, pass has been driven into you and things like that. It is it is a different game to to America. Um, and then so you you were at Athlone, and I know then. You stayed training at that loan while you played competitive games with uh, with another club. If you could just kind of talk us through that. Well, no. So I wasn't actually with any club at the time. I okay. trained with at loan for four to six weeks. Then lockdown hit in the middle of March, and I wasn't. I was unable to travel up to at loan due to lockdown. It messed it up a bit with. Uh, me making like with I mess up the football because I had no no club to train with no one so I was left alone basically to, to train alone but the assistant coach at that loan Declan Constantine is also the coach at Regional United in Limerick he seemed he is very he is or he was and still is very interested in me as a player he uh, he sees something there and he asked me to sign with them in regional in the Limerick League which is amateur but at a good level the Limerick League is probably one of the top three four leagues in Ireland he said he wanted me to sign there because of the lockdown hit and my international clearance I was unable to sign with that loan at the time I had to wait until the summer transfer window if anything before I could sign and uh but they were able to get me in with the amateur league they helped get my itc my international clearance and i didn't start training with them until may but no yeah we did a session i think no it was june june when lockdown lifted when we started again and that's when i started actually training with um the regional 
Yeah, it's it's a tough time with uh with Ireland and lockdown and COVID and all that. It's been a difficult time. I think for someone like yourself looking for that next opportunity and uh just players uh, clubs not really looking for trialists to come in because of that whole bubble situation and and trying to trying to keep that intact. So it's very difficult for yourself trying to come in and look for trial opportunities, um, especially during lockdown. So what what would have happened after that? Then? So you played with Regional United uh, for a few months. I know it did well there. Scored scored a lot of goals. So then that took you up to you know the last few months. Um, what's what's been happening since? I know the country's locked down basically, so it's not yeah. too much happening. But have you had any opportunities in the pipeline, or what's been happening there? So the regional we started training. We're regional. Um, started training June, July. Uh, season was going well. I had scored nine goals in nine goals in six games. I'd scored literally. I think the the two games previous to lockdown, I had scored five against Mungret and a hat trick the game previous. We were going well. I had. Um, it took me a couple of games to get used to it again, the level because it it's been different and. Probably at the time, it was a lot different, but I was maybe forcing things. But I knew it was nothing compared to America because I'd learned my lesson at the time. It wasn't any attitude issues. I knew where I was at. There was nothing like that. It was more just, I just wanted to be the best. That was really it. And I was like, I'm here. I want to make a name for myself. It took me a couple of games maybe to get used to it. And it did. And then uh, just having the people around me really helped because they were so, like, everyone was so supportive and we're all like, it's a very competitive team, but we're, we're all friends at the end of the day. And it, it was just really good. And then lockdown hit and it's thrown everything into disarray. And uh, haven't had, we haven't trained together since um, Christmas, since just before Christmas, because they lifted lockdown again for the month of Christmas or for the month of December where, so we got in a couple of sessions and then, they haven't we haven't done anything since i've been keeping myself busy training every day i train five six times a week now since especially since the first of january i've had four four to five of us training every day that week um every every day each week like four to five the, the four to six days a week training um we uh we all have our own bubble. We train just on the local park, the fair green. I finish work. I I have all my cones. I have all the all the balls, everything, and we go training there. Like we actually have training after after this uh after like, after this uh, call. So um, it's uh, and today today's uh two v twos. So it's gonna be interesting to see how the weather holds up for that. Yeah, no, you're fortunate that you do have, like you said, that bubble to to train in, um, with all the precautions in place and things like that. So it's great, to, great to hear that you've stayed proactive with that and still still getting that training in, which is so important. There's so many players, just you know, just sitting around waiting for for things to get better. But sometimes you just have to take things in your own hand and do what you can do in in the situation that you're in. Um, so going forward, then, do you have um anything anything on the horizon or yeah? Like so with um, again, with lockdown, I couldn't go on trials with any clubs in January or February because they were just clubs weren't taking in trialists due to COVID. They just couldn't uh, take the COVID risk. It was being said at the time. Um, they were just signing players they, they knew or had heard about before. And with me being in America for five years, I uh, 
not really anybody knew me. Um, I then there was no local club. Then Treaty United got their announcement, uh, got announced as the local as the team that got the new League of Ireland license, but they were only told about it less than a week before the transfer window closed. It was a bit of a mess how the the FEI or the League of Ireland, whichever is responsible for it, went about it because they were told like it was the Saturday they were told and the Thursday the see it was Friday or Saturday they were told and the Thursday is when the transfer window closed. I got in contact with the coach uh, right away and he just said that he couldn't give he he just couldn't give me the chance to train because he I was unknown. He had to go with players that he knew. It upset me at the time because I was I felt I had trained so much. I had done everything for this chance. I knew I would be ready for this chance. And just to be told, sorry, I don't know you. I can't give you this chance. It's, it's yeah, it, it was just hurt. Uh, it was a bit upsetting. But he did say that come June, he would give me a chance. He'd give me a proper chance come June. They just, he just had to go with players that he knew because with the window closing so soon, he couldn't, he only had one training session the Tuesday and he just couldn't, he, he, he couldn't um, base anyone's performance off of what, off of one training. So he just had to go with players and he said, come June, he will give me a proper chance, proper week or two chance where I can actually go training with them every day and prove myself and show like, what I am worth and show that I should be there. So that's what's driving me now is, Come June 1st, I want to have, hopefully lockdown has lifted a decent bit where I'm not just at one club. I can actually travel to a couple of clubs and go on trials with a couple of teams and have more options. But I definitely know I should have at least one option come June. Yeah, it's a tough time, isn't it? Because in normal times, you probably would have been able to go in and train and, and go in as a trialist and, and uh, you know, show them what you can do. So it's really, with that particular situation, it's very, very tough to take considering the effort that you've put in. And, and you know, it's it's really hard to take when something outside of your control, uh, it's nothing that you've done or it's nothing that you could have done better. It's just completely outside of your control. So it's it's really hard to uh, hard to take, but I've no doubt that you will get your opportunity, you know, if you keep doing what you're doing, keep those individual sessions up and um, bit by bit as the country starts to, to reopen and you get yourself into that environment and put yourself in that window. Um, I've no doubt, you know, that you'll, you'll get your opportunity and that you'll be ready for that opportunity as well. Um, but Jack, I'll just pretty much finish up um, just with one final question, because with the podcast, I do like to uh, just try and give an insight into life um, as, as a college soccer player in the U.S., so just for anyone listening out there now who might be considering the opportunity, whether they be 17, 18 um, or a little bit older as well, um, there's like we always say, there's opportunities out there for everyone, no matter their situation. So what advice would you have just for anyone considering going out there? Be proactive. No, get to learn the area, get to learn the system. The, if you're going to a junior college, learn from the first year how the transfers work and don't leave it to the last minute learn um just yeah just go over and enjoy yourself that's really it just enjoy yourself don't don't put pressure on yourself you're you're over there colleges will see you as a student athlete so you're not just 
an athlete. You're not just a soccer player. So make sure as well you do the college work too, because we are, for example, my sophomore year, we would have won. We would have made it to the national tournament, but two of our best, probably our best center back and our best midfielder were ineligible to play due to not having enough credits from the first year. So don't take the school side of it uh, easy. Like, make sure you get it done. Yeah, no, it's very important because you have to realize that you're a student athlete as well. So the, the academics do come into it. And again, like you said, if you're not performing in the classroom, that does have an impact on the pitch because you do have to maintain a certain GPA to actually play on the pitch. So the two very much do coincide. So it is very important to, to recognize that. And like you said as well, just to enjoy it. Um, so important because I think the thing is to try it and to give it a go. And if it doesn't work out, home will always be there. You can always come back home if, if you truly, truly don't enjoy it. And that's the important thing to realize because if you if you never try you'll never know um so it's important just to give it a go and you can have the experience of a lifetime for you you spent five years out there um obviously you're back home now but the experiences that you've had in the places that you've experienced and um negative and positive they all have a, an impact on you and you know will will propel you on to to a future career i've no doubt no doubt in the game when you get your opportunity so um the important thing like you said just enjoy it give it a go you can always come home um, and, and just to truly enjoy the experience. Um, but Jack, I just really want to take, thank you uh, for taking the time to come on because I know it will be beneficial to a lot of players out there, um, not only who are interested in the college game, but just in, in pursuing a career in soccer in general. So I know that it will uh, provide a lot of value to people out there. So I just really want to take, thank you for taking the time to, to share your story and I wish you the very best of luck uh, with, your, with your opportunities coming up in the future. Thank you, it's, Aiden. It's been a pleasure um, being on and being able to talk about my experience. Uh, it's really helped me um, actually think back about it. I haven't really talked much about it, being honest. I, I'm kind of thinking, just thinking forward and seeing what I can do instead of actually thinking back, oh, yeah, this did happen and this was actually really helpful And right now. But, yeah, no, this, is, this, this has been fun talking about it again, like having memories. Yeah, just re reflecting back on it and, and the, the experiences that you had. And like I said, with the, with the story that you have and the journey you've gone through, it will help people out there. And that's the main thing, you know, the, your your struggles that you've had in the game and the positives that you had in the game, it will impact someone out there. So that's that's the main thing to realize. Um, but just very best luck, Jack. And uh, like, so we'll stay in touch um, like we've done the last, last few years yeah. since, since we met at those colleges uh, pre-America. So um, I've no doubt we'll, we'll stay in touch over the next while. And uh, the best luck with, with everything going forward. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you all very much for listening. And like I said, as always, if you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email, aidenat90minutesfitness.com or send me a DM on Instagram as I'm always happy to help. If you found value in today's episode, please like, share and follow. Thanks again for listening and speak to you all again soon.